Yeah. So you guys both don't seem to then put much stock in direct arm training. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I personally don't. And, and admittedly, this is definitely influenced by my personal experience. Right. Um, but I'm, I think I'm fairly reasonable about it because I'm not, I'm actually not bitter about it. So it's not like some people in the space, you know, like they're just trying to put everybody down because like they have maybe not, not the best genetics, but, um, and also other people, like I've actually heard very similar things from people with like pretty awesome arms actually. Um, and, and also people with awesome physiques, but maybe just not great arms and, you know, like I would not be surprised if they were like, no, like you manually like 30 sets for biceps and, and, and that's what I'm doing right now. And I think it's going to result in my arms finally growing. So like, but you, Dave, like uh, did, cause Jeffrey definitely intrigued me with the arm day. <laughs> yeah. Well, his, well, so yeah, the arm day, it's funny. I was actually just reading, um, like somebody was posting up, uh, these stories of Ronnie Coleman and how like he was training, I think it had already expired the story, but like, you know, where obviously Ronnie and like all of them have insane arms. And he was like, you know, I don't train arms five days a week or even three days a week. Maybe I'll train it like once a week. And, you know, it's just kind of goes by feel. Um, I, that's actually one thing, like we talk about how I've tried so many things. I've never tried not directly training arms actually. So I would maybe do that. I would consider it as like one of my unilateral experiments is to see like, okay, I'll just like keep training left arm, but I'll just stop training right arm entirely. I'd be down to try that. I mean, at this point, like, what's it going to hurt? Even if I lose some size, like I'll get it back. Uh, hopefully, but, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I just, I, I would be willing to try that because I've never done that. Um, but certainly there are plenty of people who say both. Like I, I definitely know people who have said like, oh, I started doing arms like this. I started and, and I've heard the opposite too. Like I've heard people say I had so much arm volume skip from intense muscle used to talk about this. And then he cut it back down and his arms grew more. Um, rarely have I heard that they grew more from no training. Um, but even then I've heard that anecdote too. So I'm sure like everything, there's an individual variation, but I, I wouldn't be shocked to find that it didn't make much of a difference. And I knew Abel that you, you didn't find it made much of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and part of the issue is, uh, especially for the biceps, I think, I, I feel like the biceps is one of the shittiest muscle groups to train. Like um, almost all muscle groups for me have at least one fun movement or like, it's cool to do. I feel like the biceps just doesn't have any, like there's like, really? the, uh, do you like, is there something you enjoy doing? Um, I, my staple has been um, alternating dumbbell curls. So like a supinating alternating dumbbell curl. Um, actually that, that might, I, I haven't done that in ages, but I do remember that being one, uh, that I enjoyed doing. Cause like I could stand in front of the mirror and it like at least looked right. ballsy, but, uh, <laughs> but it, so like, I think that cable curl, um, the face away cable curl, that's what yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that, and, and I think it just makes so much sense. Like it sort of is just almost like the ideal bicep movement, but like on that one, like I really have to position myself like just right so that my shoulders are not achy from it. Um, and like, then there are like the, the, like the preacher curl, but it could be like a concentration curl where you're like a bit folded over on those ones. I just kind of breathe properly. Um, and then it, inevitably some, something always starts acting up after a few weeks of doing it. 
um bar barbell curl i mean that that's the worst because then like everything hurts like lungs elbow forearm <laughs> wrist like <laughs> yep and uh and, and a bunch of them like what i hate is that there is no defined like end point almost so yeah. like how much are you going to move what and it's just, everything that changes. is one thing i definitely relate to and i find annoying and, and brian i remember you asked me before if i felt like a different my muscle connection with left versus right because there's that discrepancy and I don't think that's what it is, but what I notice is, and I was actually thinking about this recently because my, uh, so now I do seated because when I was doing standing, it was like, I was getting some like trap and neck pain. So I do seated and I feel like there was like a one or two rep discrepancy before when I was done. And now I'm finished with my left and my right arm still has like four reps in reserve left. And if anything though, I've, I've used that as an argument to say, well, clearly going to failure in this case is not helping because the left arm that is going to failure every time I train it right. is not catching up with the right arm. That's for RIR. Um, I remember Aaron uh, Straker, I was surprised to say that or see that he said he takes his stronger arm to whatever the RIR is. So I'm like, wouldn't you think that would then continue the discrepancy even more? Mm -hmm. um, but again, me not doing that certainly hasn't made up for the discrepancy. So yeah. Uh, but, but it's interesting. But anyway, I, what I find is like with the right arm, I don't know if this is just because I'm not going to failure, but when I get it, I get this like complete rep. Like it just feels complete. And with the left arm, it just kind of comes up and I'm like, this just doesn't, it just mm -hmm. doesn't feel as good. Like something's going on there. Um, but I would agree with you in general, uh, Abel, that like, there's just not like you do an overhead press. I'm like, this is done. Like I'm finished or a bench press yeah. I've locked out. And with, with biceps, it is kind of like this. I, I could go here. I could kind of just bring it down here and call it a rep. I could do a Steve Hall, you know, front raise <laughs> or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit more ambiguous for sure. Yeah. 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 yeah with the triceps, for example, there's like the skull crusher, like the one where you're like letting it behind your, your head. Mm -hmm. that, that one, for example, is like a very satisfying tricep movement. And it's also like a very elbow friendly, like resistance curve that it has. Uh, and you can overload, like micro load it really nicely. So like that, that's, and it even looks cool. So, um, mm. but biceps, um, yeah, Brian, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, you're cool. I, uh, I'm not a huge fan of training biceps either. And, um, I actually haven't trained arms directly for, I was just going through to my head, but I think, uh, 10 to 12 of, of the 24 to 25 years of my training, I haven't trained arms directly. Wow. So that's almost, almost half of the time. Um, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, there's something else I was going to say. Oh, just that. Well, two things. So one, uh, for people who then feel like, Hey, arm training is not, um, doing anything beneficial in a way. This also is an argument for lower volume in general, because what you're saying is like, even if you didn't think training arms directly was better, like, let's say, I think bicep growth is going to be the same with three sets of curls or three sets of pull-ups, right? Well, at the very least, the direct volume would count as volume. So if you're saying that, Hey, I do this pull-ups and then I, I don't think adding nine sets per week of biceps, like you're not only just saying that you don't think direct training is helpful. You're saying you don't think more volume is helpful, right? Like they kind of go hand in hand. In yeah. That case. Yeah. yeah. And, and also what, what we've been talking about a lot is I, I am growing increasing risk, increasingly skeptical as to just how precious the body is in terms of, uh, how 
receptive it is to like slight variations in angles and and uh, like loading patterns and everything like uh, it's something might look good in a study like okay at long muscle lengths even which I think is probably one of the more significant factors much more so than like is your arm like this or like this <laughs> um, but even with something like that, I'm just not sure in real life it would actually pan out like that. Um, yeah. Because with range of motion and things like that, for example, we see so many, so much variation amongst like different bodybuilders and also like exercise selection. So uh, I, I would also also think that, yeah, like that cable curl, which almost seems like the ideal exercise for the biceps. I would not be surprised that over like ten years the differences would wash out between someone who mm -hmm. does that or does more like even pull downs like this for the mm -hmm. biceps, which is not even the ideal like angle and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is one thing that I'm, I'm glad to see is finally being talked about more because like, you know, rewind 10 years, maybe even more than that. It was like, Oh, like this product increases or this diet increases muscle protein synthesis. And it's like, okay, but like you're using these surrogate markers, right? Like that doesn't mean there's going to be actual muscle growth, like a net muscle growth. And I mean, there's just so many examples where surrogate markers, not just in this, but like cancer research, whatever, like it just doesn't pan out in the real world. And I think it's becoming, I hope it's becoming into light more now that like these short term studies on training, like I can understand why the bro bodybuilders are often like, I don't care about like these science nerds because it's like so much of it is just BS. Like the way the studies are set up are BS. Sometimes the participants aren't like that you know, they're like untrained, but the biggest thing to me is it's short term. And, and even Lyle kind of talked about not that point, but a related point, which is, he was like, if you actually look at the individual data points in these studies, it's like, sure, the mean is here and the mean is there, but by far the biggest difference is just between the individuals. And it's mm -hmm. just like genetics, again, reign supreme. And there's people in the low volume group, like again, the classic one we've seen high volume was superior, but within high and low volume, there was huge variations. Right. Um, and, and I think that when it, like I said, I was like, I'm like pleasantly surprised to see, uh, we agree Brian, because even your caveat of like, Oh, but I'd be injured. That's fine. I agree with that. That's I'm not ever saying I would tell somebody to do max OT for 20 years, but it, we're just talking about the effectiveness of muscle growth here. And I, I think the biggest thing is people don't consider that this is like long-term. So mm -hmm. I just think a lot of this stuff would just get washed out. And, and I know, like, I always harp on like, how it's like genetics and consistency and that's like most of it, but I don't know how many more examples like we need where it's just like demonstrated time and time again. And even you could look at this on a long-term plan, but even like, like as a, like a cross-sectional data, you could just see that so many people have developed impressive physiques so many different ways. It's almost like, how could you even argue that one is so strongly superior? So um, it's, it's, um, and we also, how we talked about, like, show me, show me one example where one of these like specialization cycles resulted in someone like improving a body part, like relatively to the rest of his body. Like, uh, right. yeah, maybe, maybe five years from now I will have a bit bigger arms, but it will never be like, wow, like this able dude has like awesome <laughs> arms and a really shitty chest. Like it's, yeah. it's like relatively speaking. So it's, uh, yeah. that and, and yeah, just like the, the studies, like I also, you know, like this pet peeve that I had, or like this thing that I just kept harping on, like, uh, you know, then why are more people not getting uh, jacked um, so easily if it's like just about like nothing matters. And I was thinking like, okay, but like, what would Eric say? 
seriously, if I asked him that. And I was like, well, I know exactly what he would say. It's that, like studies are not telling you exactly what to do. It's just like a, a starting point. And then I was thinking further, like, man, yeah, it seems like a bullshit cop out. Like, yeah, studies, like, uh, you know, like when, when they're using like trained people like I am, then, then, but, but it's true. And, and also the time frame, as Dave said, like two months for a muscle growth study is like two days for a fat loss study. It's like, right. it's, it's uh, the hardest thing about training. And any coach will tell you that is uh, like managing progression for someone in the long term. So over like monthly, I can get anybody to progress uh, that I, I would take on as a client for four weeks. Eight is a bit trickier, but still is probably going to happen for the most part. What's going to happen after that? Um, plus like beginners, like most studies just conclude that it didn't matter. It didn't make a difference. Well, I mean, for beginners, since we know that they are growing from, from everything, it's not, not that surprising that it didn't matter. So, so anyway, um, that's, definitely an important thing i have a bunch of more things to say but like brian is uh, giving me that look that people usually say when they're tuned out from a discussion do you need to go brian because i know that you need to jump no i actually don't hear uh any of my my family walking around above me so i think i'll just <laughs> hang out with you guys until they do i am um, i'm gonna send you guys two pictures and we can post them up on the screen um but just a real quick like on that like with like and it's tough because like we have a podcast coming up with N1 with Casim and everything. And it's like, I'm not saying that stuff shouldn't exist. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't always be trying to find what's better. But, you know, this, this would be like one of my hard things if I ever was trying to be like a fitness professional. It's just like, man, like, I just think that the biggest thing would be working like kind of like a Mike Matthews, you know, like he went the route of like, I'm going to work with general population because that's where I can make the biggest difference. And like this kind of stuff, it's like, I like to talk about it. And I understand like, I would just never be able to sell a, a bunch of products to like the fitness industry because of that. But to me, it's just, I don't know. I, I hate to be the guys like, this doesn't matter. But I, I think in a way it's like relieving, right? Cause you don't have to constantly worry that like I'm doing something wrong or this is the thing you can just say, you know what, find something that you can be consistent with and progress with over time that you enjoy. As Brian mentioned, that helps you stay injury free and then make it enjoyable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What you were saying about like, you don't want to say it doesn't matter. I think, um, I think that's a fine message. Uh, I, I just think it's important to not be like overly confident in it. Cause like, that's one thing I, I, I looking back, I don't like about like Martin Burkhan, uh, like his approach is that like, he's saying most of what we are saying now, he's just like a bit like, okay, so like in training, it's, it's, it's very simple. Like you just this, this, and this, and you're going to grow. Well, the rest is bullshit. It's like, well, I mean, I wouldn't be that confident. Okay. Like, it's not like any of us knows. So. Yeah. I'm always down to like find new things. And um, I think if I hadn't had all these things to experiment with it, again, it's like with Brian's point, it's like you could have had the same size, but would you have in reality because of injuries and everything? And it's like, I could have had the same size, but I probably would have been bored out of my mind just doing six lifts for 20 years. Like, you know, so there, there's other aspects to it. I just don't want people to lose the message. If you want to say, Hey, it's for injury prevention. It's for novelty. It, it's to keep this enjoyable. That's all great. But don't try to sell me that. Like, this is the reason that your arms are two inches smaller than they could have been or something like that. You know? Yeah. yeah I would, I would definitely love to know how, how, how many redundant things am I doing in the gym? Like, which, which is like these four movements that you just did for delts or something, it literally didn't do anything. Like you could just skip that and finish with your workout. Well, that's why sooner. 
I tell people I'm, I'm pushing this unilateral experiment thing. Cause like, you know, we were kind of talking about minimalist training, but I guess we didn't actually um, like kind of define it. But I, I think for most people now, again, even with the Eric Helms thing, something I didn't realize is with his experiment, he talked about if people saw my podcast that he mentioned that he actually lost size. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm having Jeff Alberts on soon because he mm -hmm. kind of did the other experiment where he went higher volume and it didn't really work for him. But I think one of the things Jeff mentioned was like, I think that was a dieting phase for Eric because he was, Jeff mentioned he was like on really low carbs and stuff. So then that doesn't mean his conclusions are wrong. Um, but it could, like, I didn't realize that he was dieting during that period. Cause I was going to say, I'm shocked that you could lose size. That, that was shocking being, to me as well. Yeah. yeah. You could be in a surplus and be doing like six super hard sets to failure and lose size. Like, I mean, you must really be like a volume responder, yeah. but if he was dieting, well then it's like, Oh, okay. Well then you losing strength makes a little bit more sense. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. but I do think for most people six hard sets per week per body part is going to do the vast majority of it. Like mm -hmm. the vast majority of it. Yeah. And yep. I think the confounding thing with Eric too, is that like his legs grew during that time. So he uses that as a rationalization to be like, well, my legs respond better to lower volumes and my upper body responds better to higher volumes. But if he was in fact dieting during that time, it's, it's difficult to assess, especially because like uh, you guys may have noted this too. I've talked to Berto about it, but like leg especially like pressing movements, um, mm -hmm. tend to like do fine throughout a diet. Like you don't really lose a lot of like your, your hack squat, pendulum squat, leg press strength too much as you diet, as much yeah. as you lose like chest pressing and, oh, yeah. and things yeah. like that. Um, mm -hmm. so anyway, I think that that's somewhat interesting. And then the last point on the, the minimalist training for me is that I'm actually kind of excited to go back to that type of style of training at some point in the future. Uh, mm. the last time I did like a two or three times a week, full body minimalist style was like 2016. And, uh, and I really enjoyed it. Like I liked, you know, having more free time. I liked, uh, I, there's something I personally really like about having a day off between training sessions, just mm -hmm. as a general thing, because I go into each session, like really excited and recovered. And like, I can feel like I have higher quality sessions. So even now the way my programming is structured is it's a two on one off, two on one off type thing. And mm -hmm. I always find myself the second day before the day off, just being less excited to go into the gym and train. Um, so like, like for me, I think, you know, that, that two or three times a week, minimalist full body training is, is awesome. I would just now do it with, um, more like hypertrophy specific bodybuilding selection that works right. more for me than with like just the basic compounds for sure yeah yeah, yeah. i think like last podcast episode i think that was on my channel um i like we talked about our growth spurts within mm -hmm. muscle growth and i mentioned that i had three i think uh, during all three of those i actually did uh moderate like very moderate volumes uh i mean not not so not six but more like 10 like 9 to 12 but it's um i actually never really noticed anything really positive at higher volumes in fact and that's actually a pretty cool thing about my body that is giving me these clear feedback um like signals um that anytime i'm like really pushing the volume especially on certain things like i tend to just get like niggled up a, a lot mm. and i think that's I know that like injuries and, and how your muscle is responding is not, not necessarily the same thing. Like you can be muscularly recovered, but joint wise, no, but 
I think to some extent it must correlate because like earlier on, you know, like equally heavy, but I'm not getting niggled. Now I am. It's probably an indication that like, I'm just not recovering that well. So, um, so I think that's something to like, just look out for potentially. Um, if someone notices the same, I mean, maybe that's an indication of your body, but sorry, go on. Yeah. Um, so I sent you guys the two pictures here and I made a post yesterday quoting, uh, Derek for more plates, more dates. And, um, let's see. Oh, and actually I just realized that Jeff just responded on mine. So I, I haven't even read that yet, but, um, he is coming on, I think in two weeks. So I'm sure we'll talk about it as well as the Eric thing, but I posted this thing from, uh, basically a TikTok that Derek had posted and the guy's got extremely small calves and I'll just like actually play it out loud here for funny when guys think that everyone with a subpar body part just automatically has like no fucking idea how to train them. It's like, Oh, you got to really focus on your calves. It's like, no, do you think he has no fucking idea that his calves are subpar? You know, like he's literally made like a goddamn page about it at this point. And, and I think that is true. Like, you know, it's just kind of like, people have all this like, oh, oh if, if you just do this and that, and if we've discussed, like, it just doesn't make that much of a difference. But I said, show me one example of somebody who's made their weak calves a strong body part. And, and this applies, I, I, the one exception I've seen, I have seen some examples where somebody's taken a relatively weak back and made it a relatively strong back. Like I, I have seen that a couple of times, um, but that's about it. And I've never seen it for calves. And uh, a famous example people bring up was Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's amazing how, like, if you just say something enough times, <laughs> it will just like be believed. And it's like, dude, show me pictures where Arnold had relatively crappy calves and then he had relatively fantastic calves. Like they just grew with everything else. And people post uh, about like uh, two people said, oh, Jeff Alberts is a great example. And it's like, look, I like Jeff. Again, he's coming on the podcast for like the fourth time. But this is the picture. If people could see this, I mean, it's probably not going to show up that well, but we may be included in here. And if you looked at that, you'd say, wow, he had these skinny calves and now he's got these amazing calves. And it's like, guys, like, come on. Like it's an angled picture. You then go to this one. And if you guys want to like, look at the dates, I'd have to find that. Actually, I'll, I'll just put it in the video, but like, there's one here and he's like 155 versus 170 or something like that. And if you look at this, his calves, if anything, look a little bit better. Now I know he's had a calf tear and, you know, so, and things, and as you get older, you tend to get more veins in the lower body, but aesthetically his calves look better in the in the before picture in 2006 versus 2014 size wise it looks almost identical and if you look at his arms they've blown up if you look at his hamstrings and his quads they've blown up like he, it's looking look like a cow muscle on there right and his calves haven't really changed that much so the point is like people can post their pictures of this angle and look how different this is but the reality is it hasn't changed that much so don't tell me that jeff alberts has gone from these horrible skinny chicken calves to these crazy calves. Like they have grown at best proportionally with everything else. So I, yeah. I just think it's always ridiculous when people try to say like that. And it's like, okay, don't show me an angled picture. <laughs> just show me, you know, so um, again, nothing to like harp on Jeff at all. I, I mean, actually I'm looking at his response because somebody said that I said, hey, I think it grew with the same. And he said pretty much Dave. So um, huh, yeah. anyway, yeah. So I just pointing that out. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, and and it, and it's tricky, you know, because I mean, it it just uh, like people love doing these specialization cycles, and I'm curious, like someone comes to you, a client comes to you, and asks, uh, okay, so I have weak 
X and uh, could you help me bring that up? <laughs> uh, would you just tell the person like, sorry, like I have to be honest with you. It's, it's probably not going to happen. Like we, we can just improve everything and then it's going to, but, but it's going to proportionally suck probably equally. Um, or would you say like, okay, let's do a specialization cycle. Cause who knows, maybe it actually is going to work um, for this one person. How, what would you do? I would, I would try something. I mean, I wouldn't just be like, dude, you're fucked. Like you may as well just go <laughs> home and give up, you know? You're uh, talking to like- in a video quiz. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like the answer though is like, you, you make it a priority. So maybe they weren't training it first in a day. Like there's been studies that have shown that, you know, what you do first receives the majority of the, the, the impact. So maybe if it's calves or arms, or whatever it is, you put it first. Um, Hey Bryson, let me just finish up what I'm doing right now and I'll be right up. Okay. okay. I'm on a podcast. Okay. I'll get you some cereal. Okay. okay. Um, and guess he's up now. And, uh, so, so you can, you can put it first. Um, and then I think maybe the next thing after that is, is giving it its own day. I would say that those two things are probably be moves I would make before I would think about adding volume up. Yeah. It's, um, so, okay. Lately I've been terrorizing you guys with natural hypertrophy, the YouTuber. And so I went back and, and looked at his, um, his video, the transformation video. And it's so, okay. He was like 105 pounds or some, something like that when he started. Um, and now he's like 210 lean. And the thing is that um, he was not one of those. So like, we know all of those case studies where, okay, like I put on 40 pounds, but okay. Like you were 14 when you started, I think it was 15 actually, which is like, yeah, like uh, at age 19, he still looked pretty skinny. So I will give him that. But like, the thing is, you know, people differ in like their late bloomers and early bloomers. Um, and like, uh, oh, hey, buddy. Um, I try to be a cute dad type now. Uh, I don't know how well I did. Um, so um, I'm going to see you guys in a little bit. I'm going to bounce. All right, man. Good All session. Right, man. Peace out. See you. See ya. Um, right, natural hypertrophy. So, yeah. So, there's a picture of him when he was 19 and he's skinny. That's true. But like, it's basically like 19 and then 22 is the next. And it's like, mm-hmm. just boom, like it's it, yeah. like a steroid transformation. It's like huge arms. And basically, so he's like 210 on that one. And he is at 22, 22, 210 oh, wow. and, and reasonably lean. Like yes. uh, now he's leaner. Like now if, if I'm, seeing like, or if I put it together, like which one is which, like now he's considerably leaner, but it's not like, like everything is like the size is the same. And you know, as it happens, like over the next three, four years, he made gradual improvements and now he can be a bit leaner at that, at that size. But, and, and the other thing is like, you know, there are late bloomers and early bloomers. Like if you look at him when he was 19, I mean, man, it would be really funny actually, if we could like put up some pictures of me when I was like 11 or 12 or something and <laughs> put, put next to his 19 year old picture. Like just which one people think is, thinks think are old is older. Like, uh, I, I looked like him when I was like freaking 12, I think. Yeah. I'm trying to find pictures of him on here. Like, yeah, he's definitely gotten like leaner over time. 
but yeah, I mean, if you look at me, like I started at like 130 pounds, but I was 14 years old. But even by the time I graduated high school or was like starting college, I was like 155. Like there really wasn't, I mean, there was progress, but not that much. Um, and then it was really from like 20 to 25 that I saw most of that. Uh, but no, I mean, and, and you, you do see that if people start early enough, they could have most of their potential by like 22, 23. Again, if they're starting like really young, um, I mean, even Alberto Nunez was like, when those pictures of him at like 240, I'm pretty sure he was in his 20s at the time. Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. so I'm not saying you can't continue to make some progress at all. Like, I, I really do think it's ridiculous when people say like, oh, you're done in five years. Like, I, I think that's yeah, yeah, silly. That's... Um, but obviously, it's still mostly going to be done before that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to, for the end, touch on the thing that uh, we kind of i mean we didn't really chat about it i just sent you a voice note you said like oh yeah what was that again uh it was the um, the thing that you know the nice thing people say but like it's how realistic is that so the um, don't worry about what others think uh don't compare yourself to others and uh who gives a shit how jacked you are like there are more important things in life think about yeah. obama um, is he jacked so yeah yeah uh I don't know if we totally agree on that because I do think that if enough people are like, I think it's good to be said because, you know, we, we tend to really get into these like echo oh, yeah. chambers, right. And these, these bubbles and you start to like care about things that like you actually didn't care that much about before. And then it's like, wait, mm -hmm. why am I like focusing on that? And if you leave that circle, you really start to find that like, oh, it doesn't actually matter that much. Like a lot of people find this with bodybuilding. They're like the big guy. I even had that like in dental school and I was like 220. And it was really hard for me to like, uh, like I actually did not diet down to like my leanness until after, because I was like, I just, it's, I have a hard time going from the guy who was like big 220 to like a relatively skinny 180 at my height. And it sounds silly, but it was hard for me to deal with at the time. And there are people who just completely drop it. And I would never want to be that person, but I can understand mentally because you get out of that echo chamber. And now like, let's say you're a cyclist and like those people don't care about how big you are. And so like it could, from a mental health standpoint, be better for you. And, and I, I think that you are correct in that just somebody saying it is kind of trite and it's like, okay, well you say don't care. And there's other things in life. That's not going to just make me not care. But I do think if you put in the effort you can almost get yourself to not care by starting to follow other types of things, by starting to put emphasis on other types of things. And it takes effort, but I, I think you can do that. And not even just with like lifting stuff, but just in life. If you say, Hey, I, I, I care so much about this superficial thing, you know, I need to get away from that. You might have different friend groups. You might have like start following like finance channels so that you're not spending all this money on like, you know, whatever watches or whatever you were doing before. So I do think there's something to be said for like changing your environment and mindset. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said that we probably don't agree completely. Uh, I think we agree completely. I actually thought it's going to be the other way around, like that you're yeah. more firm on this. Um, because, yeah, I, I'm, I'm also like this. I would never I'm not even knocking. Like, I think I was thinking of the Mike Israel and the Greg Doucette example, because mm -hmm. um, I just saw from the two of them. Uh, something along these lines of, uh, you know, like, like, don't feel bad just because you're not lean or not jacked or whatever. And I would not knock any of them. Um, it, the Greg Doucette one was a bit more superficial, surprisingly. Uh, and I wouldn't knock him at all still, because 
the thing about content is, you know, how we always say that no matter what you put out, like there will always be some people who manage to take it like in the wrong way or mm-hmm. get offended by it. The, the op- opposite is true too. Like you, you could say the biggest cliche stuff and there will be some, someone for whom that will be a mind, uh, life-changing thing. Like, like what? Like, so I don't have to care about like how lean I am. Like I never thought of that. So like it, right. it could totally happen. Um, the, the thing that I, the particularly irked me about the Greg Doucet one is I, I told you this, but it's to, to me, like in general, these monologues just don't, it's not that I don't like them. It just don't move me at all. It's like the, I don't know, like the disclaimer before opening a product or something, or when someone is like, I'm reading a workout plan and it's like, talk to your doctor before starting this workout plan. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay, next. Okay, where does it finally start? So it, to me, it's kind of like that. Like, okay, of course you're saying I shouldn't feel bad because I'm fat or whatever. Like, okay, next. Like, when is the actual yeah. content coming? Because it's like, it just just wasn't really, wasn't any like substance behind it. And um, what actually irked me is, okay, so like there's a guy here who has this, channel like his entire life is based on like helping people get like shredded and jacked and lean um in half of his videos he's like screaming into your face about how you're fat if you don't have abs and mm-hmm. stuff like that okay so he is not advocating being shredded he's saying like i try to be around 15 percent as a guy um he's like almost proud of how boldly he will call you obese if you're over a certain body fat percentage mm-hmm. even if you otherwise look like a relatively lean athletic person but it like it's technically over 25 for a guy so you're obese right. um calling his girlfriend obese like all the time so it's so, like there's that plus like my god like how many thousands of dollars did that man spend on just like zero calorie sauces and whatever so right right <laughs> so like you really really you're telling me that like i shouldn't care shouldn't feel bad if i'm not lean and like because it was some woman I think the, it was a, there was an article about a woman that he reacted to where he, she felt like hiding on the beach because she kind of had like a like a belly and some cellulite and whatever. And it's like, like, don't care about it. Like, like who? Like you're just as valuable just because you're fat, whatever. Like, it, <laughs> what what matters is that you have a beautiful smile and everything. And it's like, okay, like, um, do you really mean that? Like, yeah. So, yeah, um, I, I wouldn't really put a lot of uh faith into everything greg you said says as a, as a general rule <laughs> yeah yeah definitely but uh but yeah but otherwise i just always try to come at the angle of um how i think people actually are and not what i think they should be like in some utopian world so when i'm talking about accepting a higher body fat i'm trying to come at the angle you know something along the lines of this is going to be tough. Uh, so exactly what you said, actually, like I said that to a lot of people, like delete Instagram for a while, like, mm-hmm. like don't watch YouTube videos, like completely erase your, your feed or make a new account or something. Watch other types of videos. Like don't watch fitness. People talk about like their diet and vlogs and whatever, cause you will hear something that is going to confuse you, make you insecure. And so actually like what to do to try to force yourself to be less insecure about these things but like just saying like don't be insecure i mean that's in my mind actually that's what separates like 
a somewhat useful self-help book from like all the trash is that the, the trashy ones are like either they don't even address the real life problems that people have or if they do it's like so so this is your challenge it's like look what's more important to you like long-term success or the instant gratification it's like okay so you have no idea why why do you even bother writing this book so it's like <laughs> some summary it's a big problem i don't know how to solve it go find that solution somewhere else so it's like yeah. All right, guys. So this is one part of a roundtable that I did with Dave McConey and Brian Borstein. So you just saw this part or you're going to see this part on this channel. You can head over to the other part on Dave's channel. Is that right, Dave? Yep. Check it out. Brains and Gains. Uh, we can plug Brian's stuff as well. Obviously, Instagram and all of that. Dave underscore McConey. Uh, yeah, check it out. Yeah. And uh, check out all the stuff in the video description. You can find both Dave's and uh, Brian's links.